So how do you even get started in the music industry? And what are the do's and don'ts per se? Look, the music industry is vast and it's pretty daunting. Um, you know, how do you even get your foot through the door? Where do you even start? So if you're brand new to music production, let's discuss this in today's episode on the Producer Podcast. My name is Manny and hello or welcome back. So the big question that looms over a lot of people's heads are, how do you even get started? What equipment do I need? Do I need to sell my soul to the devil? And the list goes on and on. Right, so everybody's journey is different, but I want to give you guys a few ways that will help you navigate the music world. So number one, how much investment or initial upfront cost is needed? And what do I even need to buy to get started? Well, the power of technology has made this simple for us. All we actually need to make music is a laptop and a software like Ableton, FL Studio, um, or Logic. You don't need a big studio, you know, you don't need any fancy, expensive keyboard, you don't even need the best studio monitors or headphones. The bare minimum is a laptop and a piece of software commonly known as a DAW or DAW, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation. But if you do have a little bit more cash and you want to invest into setting up a little bedroom setup, I would recommend these few things. Now, we've already spoken about laptop and uh, software, so I won't go over that again. But let's start off with headphones. Um, I would highly suggest a pair of studio grade headphones such as the Bayer Dynamic DT770s or the M50Xs by Audio Technica. You can't go wrong with both of these. Um, you know, these headphones are not meant to sound the best. They are meant to give you a quote-unquote flat frequency response, allowing us to make the correct mixing decisions moving forward. These headphones will cost anywhere between like £100 and £150. Sometimes you can actually get them cheaper, so do shop around as well. Next up is an audio interface. What the heck is that? Well, think of an audio interface as a sound card, but on steroids. It's a device that connects to your computer via USB, um, and it allows for connecting things like an XLR microphone, studio speakers, which are common, commonly, God, <laughs> commonly known as studio monitors. Um, they also have a headphone jack as well, with a dedicated volume knob too, so they are really, really handy to have. My two recommendations would be the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2, coming in around about £150, and the SSL2, which costs just a little bit more, around about £170. So you can't go wrong, like I said, with either of these. Now, let's talk about studio monitors. Um, these can range from like really cheap to very damn expensive. My top pick for beginners would most likely be the Adam T series. Um, depending on your room size, you may need smaller monitors like 5 inch or so. But if you have a large room, uh, you may want to you know, go up to the slightly larger ones, uh, to the 7 inch versions. Uh, that's completely up to you. A pair of these Adams can cost anywhere between like 280 to about £340 depending on the size. Now the next question is, do you need a microphone? Well, a microphone is optional, but I'm going to be leaving that out for now. Um, if you are looking for a microphone, you don't need to spend over like £300. Even £300 is quite a lot of money to spend on a microphone, especially your very first microphone. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a microphone um, to record vocals, you may want a condenser microphone. You may want a dynamic microphone, you know, like an SM7B, but it's always going to depend on what you actually want a microphone for. So I'm not going to be going into that now because that's a whole different story, but you could definitely do some research in your own time. 
Lastly is going to be a MIDI keyboard. Now a MIDI keyboard is a keyboard that is used to control sounds in your DAW. MIDI keyboards don't make or store any sounds. They're literally just a controller uh, to control sounds in your door. You can get a mini 25 key MIDI keyboard all the way up to like piano weighted 88 keys. Now this is completely up to you as it depends on space, budget and whatever else. Um, you know, some manufacturers that make some good MIDI keyboards at a reasonable price on Ovation, uh, Akai and M Audio. So if you want a medium sized MIDI keyboard, just go for a 49 key. It's that simple. Um, I've got a 49 key Ovation uh, that, that works great. And I've also got a more expensive keyboard downstairs as well, uh, as well as a piano, but that's because I play the keys too. So there are plenty of options out there. So number two is, is it worth getting a job in the industry? And what about networking? Look, getting an industry job will definitely help you understand the core basics of how the industry works. And there's a lot of different jobs in different areas, depending on what you actually want. Do you want to be a recording or mix engineer? Well, look for a job at a recording studio, being a T-boy or T-girl, and you have to work yourself up in these things. You know, you need to learn from the best as well. Are you good at finding up and coming talented artists? Well, see if you can get a position as a junior A&R. Maybe you just want to be a full-time music producer, um, which is most likely the bracket where you guys would fall into, especially if you listen to this podcast. And if you do want to be a full-time music producer, then your networking skills need to be good. If you're shy and you want to be the next big producer or DJ artist, whatever, um, it just won't work. I mean, the amount of stress most artists are under is pretty crazy. So just bear that in mind. And you're always, always, always talking to people, especially if you're the forefront of your own music. So again, I sound like a broken record, but just keep that in mind. You know, a really good way of networking if you're trying to build your career as an artist is to DJ, literally. DJing allows you to meet so many people like promoters, club managers, dancers, um, and you just slowly build up that roster of people that you can contact when you need something. Now, each of these people that you meet, they have their own set of links. So try to, you know, network with one person. That's not just networking with one person. When you do that, you're going to be networking with all of their people as well. So if you network with, say, a club manager, that club manager is going to know a bunch of different DJs and artists. He may even know songwriters and stuff like that. So really push for that. Let me break down exactly how I did it and how did I network? Did I get a job in the industry and all that stuff? Because it was pretty different when I was growing up. Well, firstly, I was extremely lucky to grow up where I grew up. I was born and raised in East London in the UK and I always knew people that were into music from school days and we all used to chill as you do, you know, when you're younger, maybe smoke a little bit of weed and uh, attend these youth clubs. And it was at these youth clubs um, that we got to network with each other without even knowing that we was networking because, you know, again, we was pretty young, so we didn't know much about this. Um, and that would be, that would actually help drastically and not just that, but these other kids would have older siblings that either knew rappers or singers and it would get the ball rolling just like that. So again, it sort of boils down to who that person knows and their links and their links have their links and so on and so forth. So when I was in high school, some of my friends would know other students at different schools um, and they would also be doing this music thing and some of them were doing really good as well at that point. They were creating a little buzz around their name and it was pretty simple just to reach out and get involved back in those days. 
it was like the community progressed together. Some went on to being artists, others went on to being radio presenters, some would go into media, others would start uh, to understand, you know, marketing with social media. And as time went on and on, everyone, you know, just sort of grew together. It got to a point, if I didn't know a BBC radio presenter, somebody in that circle would know how to get to them. So again, I was really lucky in that sense. But now times have changed, you know, we live our lives, you know, mostly behind phones and iPads and laptops. Um, and we always do things through social media, which is not allowing us, you know, to get that face-to-face uh, communication going on with other people, which is a huge shame. I would rather speak to someone face-to-face and, you know, make it awkward for them instead of messaging them on LinkedIn or whatever it is, um, where they can easily just read your message and just ignore you. Um, now, I'm not saying, you know, online is a bad way to network. Online is great, but I'm just a little bit old school like that. You know, I would find out who I need to network with and I'll see if I can catch them at an event or something instead of message them. Sometimes I do message people or I, sometimes I should say I used to message people, but, um, you know, as you go, as you grow older, sorry, you, you just, you, you just, I don't know, things just start fitting into place, especially when you do music full time and consistently and stuff, things just always work out. So number three is consistency. Um, Consistency is the key to achieving what you want in anything, really. Want to be good at playing the keys? Practice. Want to be good at boxing? Practice. Want to be better at music? Practice. You know, it's the discipline aspect that allows you to be successful in whatever you choose. I'm not being funny, but most people don't have the patience anymore because everything is at their fingertips. You know, I think it was Andrew Tate that said, uh, why does it have to be quick and easy? If it was quick and easy, everyone would be able to achieve that specific something and it won't mean anything anymore. It won't be special so why can't it be difficult and long to achieve and to be fair uh, he's completely right there and the answer to that is that most people lose interest if they don't get the results pretty quickly and that's why most producers just fail they don't want to make themselves better by learning new things they want to rely on these automated tools to do it for them so if you truly want to be good at what you do consistency and an open mind will allow you to open new doors on your music adventure there are no shortcuts in music just remember that number four what do you want from music um and you know you need to determine your role i mean do you want to be famous do you want to be like me and just do behind the scenes things uh, maybe you want to be a mix engineer or mastering engineer or ghost producer you know you just need to think about what you actually want for music you may want to do multiple things that's also fine or you know if you want to do it as a hobby because the missus is doing your head and that's fine as well If you find your role in music early, you can sort of lay out a roadmap down for like the year and just have these small goals, um, you know, before reaching for the stars. Because I think people just think it's an easy way to get to fame. Music is very difficult. It takes a, a long time to craft your skills and stuff. And you have to have these little small goals just to make sure, you know, you're slowly progressing towards where you want to be. And it's also okay not to know as well. You know, you may not know what you want to be. You may start out like an artist, but then you're like, no, I don't want to do this. I just want to become a mix engineer. This is, again, this is fine. You know, it will take a while to find your place in the music world. And if that's the case, just have, just like let it happen naturally. Don't force it at all. Number five, practice your craft. 
I sort of mentioned this indirectly before when I covered the third point, which was consistency. Um, you know, and I don't want to repeat what I said, but I want to share with you how I broke down my learning over the years, just briefly so that, you know, get the gist of things. So me being a music producer, I broke up my practice and learning into multiple areas. And these areas would include production, music theory, sound design, and engineering. Now, yes, there were other things like networking and bits and bobs like that, but I'm going to leave those out. These are the four main areas, right? Production, music theory, sound design, and engineering. I would dedicate a specific amount of time to each area over the years, and slowly, as I got better, my practice hours actually decreased, um, which was actually pretty bad. But let's break this down anyway. So let's start off with learning the whole music production thing. The music production world is such a huge subject and you can get lost in this very quickly. So it was very important for me to structure exactly what I wanted to practice. Um, and, you know, the first steps for me were to learn how to navigate the UI and also how to use the stock plugins of the DAW. Now, you guys need to remember when I first started, I started on FL Studio. So I was actually learning those plugins uh, that were you know, exclusive to FL Studio. But as you start to learn EQs, compressors, reverbs, synths, whatever, the information sort of just translates over to any door, really. Yes, every EQ is different. Yes, every compressor is different. Yes, every reverb is different. But they all essentially do the same thing. As an example, a compressor will still compress a signal regardless um, of if it's, you know, an analog emulation or not. And as you get better with time, you'll start to hear the differences between different compressors, EQs, and reverbs. You'll also notice that different doors have different soft synths too, which again, you may want to take out the time to learn these too. And if you are a complete beginner and you don't know what soft synth is, a soft synth is just short for software synthesizer and it allows us to generate sound to make music. So I used to dedicate maybe around about five hours a day to production for many years, sometimes, you know, even more, you know, eight, nine, ten hours um, a day. Um, yes, I had no life. <laughs> I just wanted to learn how to make music and stuff. So I dedicated a lot of my time to just learning, learning, learning. Now, as I mentioned before, there are way too many areas of music production to cover in this podcast. So I'm not really going to go into huge amounts of detail. Otherwise, this podcast is going to be way too long. But saying that, if I was to give one piece of advice to your beginners, just concentrate on making music. Don't worry about what this button or that button does. You'll slowly learn that in good time. Just have fun and um, just enjoy the journey. Also, a quick mini side note, you know, learn the genre you want to produce. For example, if you want to make trap music, you know that there are 808s or specific trap drum sounds. There's a specific arrangement. There's quote-unquote trap music theory. Um, you know, learn the fundamentals of the genre. And once you get good at that, then start experimenting if you want. You know, you can draw anything on a blank canvas. So let's move on to music theory. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm actually covering this um, whole music theory thing in the next episode. But my goal was to understand scales, intervals, chords, and rhythm. So I practiced this maybe a couple hours a day until, you know, things started to stick. Now, I've been learning theory since I was 12 or something. So I don't know how long has it been, what, 20 years? And um, I've slowly built my skills up. See, these things take time, dedication, and discipline. It really helps when you have no distractions, you know, so like turn your phone off and just hibernate and zone out. And if you think you're making too many mistakes, take a break and just come back to it later. I mean, if you're aiming to do like one hour practice a day, just break it up into two 30-minute slots and um, 
yeah, that can really help you stay on track. Sound design is another area that I focused on too. Again, another topic that goes super deep. Um, you know, learning about different types of synthesis, understanding timbre and harmonics was again a very long process. It's not like we can just learn everything, you know, about a specific topic and just move on. We have to learn the fundamentals, which essentially never change. But then we have to keep up with technology and, you know, changing all the time. And we have to adapt our learning to that. Now, sound design is something. I don't really want to get into too much. I don't want to scare you guys off early on. I'm just telling you how and what I learned growing up. Do you need to know this in order to make music? Not really, because you know you could just make pre-used sounds, which are also known as presets, in uh, from different soft sims. Sorry, but you can unlock a whole new world of fun when you start to learn sound design. And again, the possibilities are endless. And the last section is engineering. Let's talk a little bit about that. See, this is the area that a lot of producers often struggle with. Um, even us experienced producers, engineering or mix engineering is a process we do after the production stage. In a nutshell, it allows us to make our music sound nice and clear. And most importantly, it allows our music to translate over to different stereo or mono systems. We use uh, tools like EQs, compressors, reverbs, delays, saturation, uh, so many other more tools that I can't even think of to achieve this. Now, mix engineering is something that you can probably never learn 100% just like music production. You know, you just keep on learning over the years and eventually you train your ears to critically listen to music. And once you do that, mixing becomes a little bit easier. Now, there's a whole reason as to why people may struggle with mixes. They may have not built up their critical listening skills. Their room may not be treated. Maybe they're using hi-fi speakers, which we don't want to do that. You know, so there's there's just multiple, multiple reasons. But do you need to know how to mix a track, you know, properly before you even learn to produce? Hell no. Just produce music and ignore mixing for a little while. You'll find that engineering overlaps on top of sound design and sound design overlaps on top of production and production overlaps on top of music theory and in circles we go. You know, so they all four of those points just literally attach onto each other and just go round and round in circles. I mean, you may be producing a track where, you know, you have some piano chords and you may want to EQ a little off that piano. Well we opened a sampler or a soft synth, that's the production side of it. We popped in our chords, and again, that's still production, but that also introduces music theory. And then we EQ'd it. And this is engineering to some extent, and possibly sound design too, it just depends on how you look at it. So everything, all four of those points are covered right there. Now, I know this is a ton of information to even process, but try to focus on getting used to your production software first. You know, take the time out to learn things one step at a time. People are way too impatient these days, especially with, I said this before, with all this automated software stuff. Um, so if you're impatient, music is most likely not going to be for you. All right. So again, try to get a structured routine. And if you can, I know it can be hard to balance that, you know, practice with general life duties, but trust me, it will pay off in the end. And if you're really serious about it, you will see the results. Let's move on to number six and... That's all about understanding that music is only literally 30% of the battle. The honest truth is that most new artists forget about branding, styling, etc, etc. These are all the things you need to think about. 
you can have a shit track and still hit the charts if you jump on a trend. You know, social media changed everything, especially TikTok. I mean, if you go viral on TikTok, you've basically made it now. So it's it's changed a whole bunch of dynamics. Number seven, let's talk about the cons. Um, because music isn't always fun. You're going to want to smack your head <laughs> against your desk a few times. Trust me. So what are the cons and what to expect? Well, firstly, I want to talk about long, stressful nights. When you start taking production more seriously, you'll soon find out that there are no opening and closing times in the music industry. You will be doing nightly sessions. You'll be, you know, you'll have, sorry, a messed up sleeping schedule and most likely you'll be highly stressed as well. Now, I'm only talking about when you are making a living off music production. You may need to do, you know, online sessions um, or you may be DJing at a nightclub. Um, promoting your brand. And again, this takes a huge toll on you. So just bear that in mind. Make sure you get as much rest as possible um, because it can get pretty hectic. Number two, another con is writer's block. There's nothing more I hate than a writer's block. I could spend a whole day trying to create, you know, the perfect chord progression and it just won't come to you. Or even it might be just, you know, looking for the right kick or the right snare and it just won't come to you, you know, especially if you don't know much about music theory, you know, you might get tied up into that whole, that I'm trying to find that right chord. You know, that can be a, a serious battle. And uh, we all face writer's block, no matter how good of artists or producers we are, everybody faces it. The best thing to do here is literally take a step away from music. Go for a walk, play a video game, play with your cat. I don't know. Just do something away from music for like an hour or two and come back with a fresh mind. Usually that helps. Number three is dealing with uneasy people. You're going to be meeting all sorts of people in the music industry. You're going to have people that are really cool and you're going to have people who are off with the fairies and unicorns. I have been in you know, situations where I'm recording an artist and that specific artist brings another five people with them. And that artists would expect me to record an engineering while his friends are talking. This gets very annoying. <laughs> the sounds of phones, um, you know, going off in the background, jackets rustling, food and drinks being consumed, and the overall frustration of how hot it is in the studio all collectively comes together and it just creates a complete shit show. Now, if there's a vocal booth that helps, obviously, when recording vocals, but the you know, the same issues still persist when, when I'm mixing the vocal. They're going to all talk on top of each other, making it hard to actually mix the actual track. But then I guess that this is part of the job, you know, not to mention some artists have very poor, poor time management. So a studio session that maybe starts at 11am and ends at five, I don't know, just as an example, um, will sometimes start from 3pm. Uh, so not all artists are like this, but there are many artists out there that find it hard to stick to a schedule. And, you know, sometimes you just need to be flexible and you need to work around that. The fourth con is not getting paid. A lot of producers and artists don't actually get paid on time or sometimes they don't get actually paid at all. Sharks are everywhere in the industry and you need to be careful with who you're working with. Some people will not pay you for your services and it takes the piss, but it is what it is. You know, you may be booked to engineer for someone for maybe like three hours as an example, and it goes on to five hours, but they only pay you for three hours. It's a forever battle. Number five is technical faults. You will have your computer freeze and glitch out. You will, you know, have a microphone cracking and popping. You will have electrical hum or your headphones not working. Something will happen. You will lose projects. It's just all part of the game. Learning how to troubleshoot 
you know, can be a super invaluable skill. It can save hours of guesswork, you know, and it can be less stress for everyone, especially if you're in the studio with a whole bunch of people and they're all relying on you to troubleshoot something. So these things happen. It's a shame they happen. Um, the worst is when you lose projects. That is the complete, oh, that is just the worst thing that can possibly happen when you, you know, lose so many projects. So make sure you back up your projects on an external hard drive as well. It's really important. Let's move on to the last point. Uh, just be prepared to be shot on. Yeah. <laughs> the best reaction you're going to get from your music is, yeah, it's all right, but you should have done this, that, the other. Look, everyone has an opinion. And if you're a snowflake, forget about even producing about music. You know, just forget it. You know, you're going to, I mean, you will receive some good constructive criticism, but you're also going to receive some bad remarks too. Just remember, everyone has their own take on music and that's what makes it special. So in a nutshell, how do you start making music? Well, firstly, go get a laptop or a computer and a DAW. Uh, you may also want some headphones as well. Number two is just learn the UI and how to navigate. Number three is learn the fundamentals of your genre you want to produce. And there's loads of videos on YouTube that cover that as well. And number four, you know, just have fun. Don't worry about getting the right something. Just lay down your ideas and have fun. Save all the serious stuff for later. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. I will see you in the next one.